0: I've been spending the last uh, few days talking to God about today, knowing that I would be ministering this morning and tonight. And I feel like God has spoken to me really part one and part two. And I want to turn your attention to first Corinthians ten thirty one, And let me share what, what God has been talking to me about. I believe that new life is, is positioned for great things. I believe that God is wanting to do many things for many people in this area. I've, I forget the man's name. I'm very sorry that just introduced himself to me. What is your, what is your name? Charlie? Charlie's been coming here uh, for two months. And uh, I told him, you sure made a good choice to start, to start coming here. There's a lot of Charlies in this area. There's a lot of Charlies. And a, a lot of you used to be a Charlie. And we've, we've, just, we've just got to turn this thing up and see more people saved. Amen. It just has, it just has to happen. 1 Corinthians 10.31 Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Or whatsoever ye do, do all. And I want to preach this morning on this subject all for his glory. All for his his glory. Can you close your eyes if you're comfortable with this and lift your hands to heaven and ask God to give you a personal revelation of his word? God, we so desperately need you. We have to have you. God, your word is anointed and I've definitely prayed to be anointed, but now it takes hearers to lean in and open up to what your spirit would say for our individual lives. I'm believing it's going to happen. I'm believing that revelation is going to come to many people today. I believe the next step that that some people need to take will be shared today. And I believe that they will respond and I'm speaking that in faith and believing it in Jesus name. And can the church shout amen? Amen. Amen. I believe he's worthy of another hand clap of praise before, before we're seated. Praise God. Praise God. God bless you as you're seated. It is truly a privilege to be a part of this church. All for his glory. The overview of 1 Corinthians 10 is a warning against idolatry. In the first several verses of that chapter, I'm not asking you to read it now, and please don't, but you will see how the children of Israel and the mistakes that they made is spelled out. And then, really, in chapter 11, the first verse of chapter 11, uh, it talks about it's a charge to imitate Jesus Christ. Now, chapter 10 ends with verse 33, and it's speaking of not seeking mine own profit, but the profit of many that they may be saved. Not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many that they might be saved. Of course, what I read was speaking when it got to the point where it was talking about Um, you know, if you're just going to eat, eat, but if someone says this was sacrificed to an idol, then don't eat. And the whole point with that is, is whether you eat or you drink, do all to the glory of God. But the point of this message is, is all for his glory, whatever you do, do it for his glory. Glory is quite a topic in the Word of God, and I'd first like to put our attention on what I will refer to as Shekinah glory. The Shekinah is the English transliteration of a Hebrew word meaning dwelling or settling. It signifies the dwelling or settling of the divine presence of God. This term is from rabbinic literature, and It does not appear in the Bible. If you do a search on Shekinah, you're not going to find it in the Bible. It's just the Jewish rabbis, they coin this expression. And it's a form of a Hebrew word that literally means he calls to dwell. The Shekinah was first evident when the Israelites set out from Egypt. And the Lord appeared in a pillar of cloud in the day and a pillar of fire at night. It was this glory that was a manifestation of of his power, and it was literally imperative for their guidance and their protection. They could have never made it without the glory of God. Never. They would have never made it. There There was absolutely no way for God to be able to take them where he said that he wanted them to go. But there had to be glory in their midst for that to happen. So then many years later, we see that glory takes another form. And there was an old song that was written that that uh, states it well. And if I was your pastor, I would sing it. But you will be thankful that I will just read it. Down from his glory, ever-living story. My God and Savior came and Jesus was his name, born in a manger to his own a stranger, a man of sorrows, tears, and agony. What condescension bringing us redemption, that in the dead of night not one faint hope in sight, God gracious tender laid aside his splendor, stooping to woo, to win, to save my soul. Without reluctance, flesh and blood, his substance. He took the form of man, revealed the hidden plan. Oh, glorious mystery, sacrifice of Calvary. And now I know thou art the great I am. Jesus put a face on glory. Colossians 2 and 9, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. It's literally all in him: deity living in bodily form. John 14:8 and nine. Philip saith unto him, "Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, "Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? I promise you that, that I could never say what Jesus said. I could never say growing up, when you've seen me, you've seen Jack shot. Because when you've seen me, you have not seen Jack shot. You've seen Terry shot. But when Jesus said, Philip, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The reason why he said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father, is because Jesus was God in flesh. Jesus was the glory come down. He was God in flesh, and and Jesus showed us how glory literally wore a robe and sandals. Jesus showed us how glory took long walks and and glory went down rocky, dusty, muddy roads and occasionally glory even rode a donkey. Jesus showed us that. Jesus showed us how glory taught and glory shared deep revelation and Jesus showed us how glory performed great miracles. And glory clearly challenged all mankind to Forsake all and follow him. And John the Baptist shows us how to respond to glory. And it is written in John 3 and 30, he must increase, but I must decrease. I'm talking about Shekinah glory, and I'm talking about Jesus, who was glory. Glory. But then it moves into another dimension, and this is where we come in, every one of us. It's now Christ in us by the power of the Holy Ghost. Colossians 1.27, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery. Of this mystery among the Gentiles. That's, that's at least most of us. Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And this is why the word today is all for his glory. First Corinthians 10 31 again, just a piece of it. Whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Whatsoever ye do, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. It doesn't matter what you do, eating, drinking, our actions, whatever, what so ever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Church, I believe that we don't need to make any mistake about the fact that we are in a glory war. We are in the middle of it. Matthew 5, 14 and 16. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men. Here it is. That they may see your good works and glorify your father, which is in heaven. Let your light shine. And when you let it shine, people are going to see our good works. And they're going to see our works in a manner that they're going to glorify God in heaven. We're going to do works in a way that will glorify Him and not us. I believe that the church is being called in this hour To, to consider very seriously not only the works that we are doing, but how we are doing those works. For as the moon reflects the sun, we are to reflect his light in this dark world. We reflect his light through our works, through our works. I know there are some people that, that they don't like to hear about works and, and maybe it's just because they don't have a good enough revelation of works. So let's talk about that a little bit. Let's deal for a few minutes with works. Let me first of all say that we are not saved by works. We are saved for works. We are not saved by works. There are some people that would like to tell you that baptism is really not necessary because it's a work. Or this is not necessary because it's a work. It's just a work. We're not about works. When it comes to salvation, we are not saved by works. We know we are not saved by works. But you can read the Bible and you can believe, church, we are saved for works. We are saved for works. Works are a major issue in the Word of God. From the point of salvation forward, we must be focused on God-glorifying works. James 2 and 20, But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Some people were saying, uh, I have faith. I have faith and you have works. And, And finally, it was set straight. In this manner, if you have faith, your works will prove it. What we have to understand is faith and works move together like two legs carry our bodies. It's faith and works. It's not, it's not just works without faith. It's not just faith without works. There were a lot of people in the history of new life as the years have gone on. There have been a lot of people that had faith. But until somebody had some works, some of you wouldn't be sitting here today. Works are extremely important. And our faith and our works must work together. Let me just give one example in the Word of God of how important that works are. It, it speaks in the Word of God about widows indeed. Widows indeed. It's, it's not just because somebody turned 60 that, and they didn't no longer have a husband that they were supposed to be taken care of by the church. No, we're, we're missing a major point there. The fact was that age and pity did not allow them to have help. It was their works before they turned 60. It's, it's very clear. It, it says in there that, that you would not take a widow over the age 60 into your care unless of course, families are supposed to take care first and nephews and all that kind of a thing. But but it was, unless you have done things like this, unless you have washed the saints' feet, unless you have lodged strangers, unless you are known, and let me sum it up like this, unless you were known for your good works in all of the years leading up through age 60, that was what decided whether or not that you could be taken into the, the category of being a widow indeed. You say that's, that's not real exciting. It might not be real exciting, but it's, it's really true. And so there, there are a lot of churches that are not moving to the dimension that God has for them because they're focused on faith, but They're not moving in works. And there are churches that, that are, that may have a lot of activity, but they're moving in works and they're not, they're not synced up in faith. And so I'm coming to this church today that, that I believe I'm not, I'm going to say this and you're going to like it, but I'm not saying this just because I know you will like it. Because I now have been in a pulpit long enough in, in enough churches to know what to say that people will like. And this is not what I am doing right now. I am saying that new life is positioned at a great place. It's not not just that you're at a place now like never before. No, it's a continuation of the places that God has had you in for so many years. And when we step into this one, we will be looking for the next dimension because we will be looking for the next dimension until the rapture or we die. But I believe that the Spirit is clearly saying that we must make sure that everything we are doing is to glorify God. It's to glorify God. We must be known for God-glorifying works. Our works must be done in a manner that glorifies Him not us. We need to get very practical about this, and we all need to ask ourselves a crucial question. Does my life glorify God? Does my thinking bring glory to God? Does my speaking bring glory to God? Do my actions bring glory to God? Is my world in chaos? And if it is, does that really bring glory to God? Do my relationships glorify God? Melanie taught at the marriage retreat, uh, the one before last, I guess, was the one that we were at, and when it comes to marriage, she teaches a lesson, a lesson on for this cause, for this cause. You see it in Ephesians 5, and it goes back and forth, Christ, the church, Christ, the church, Christ, the church, and then it gets down and starts talking about husband and wife, husband and wife, and then it's got this little saying in there that it says, for this cause, for this cause. Well, what is the cause? What is the cause of marriage? The cause of marriage is for the world to have a physical example of the relationship that Jesus Christ wants to have with the church. That's the cause. It's, it's not just because we have butterflies and we think we'd really like to join our butterflies forever. It's, it's not like that this person really makes me look good or I, no, that's nice and that's good and, and we need to love each other and then it would be nice if some couples just liked each other. But there's all of these kinds of things and we can go through every bit of this but we've got to get to the point to where we realize my marriage with Melanie is really not ultimately about me and it's not really ultimately about her. It's about us showing the world what Christ wants His relationship to be with the church. And so if I'm going to bring glory... To God, then I'm going to treat Melanie like God's child before I treat her like my spouse. Whenever it comes to parenting, I I have to understand that, that it's not about pleasing Melanie in my parenting, it's about pleasing God in my parenting it's about pleasing God in my marriage it's about pleasing God in my relationships there are too many people that are focused on the human level and we think that everything's okay if we're getting along hey she's not griping and I'm happy or I'm not griping and she's happy and okay the kids they're they're not driving us nuts today everything should be okay no we're dead wrong all uh, we can have peace in our home and not be glorifying God. Our relationships must glorify God. What we do must glorify God. We've got to get our attention on things above. We've got to look up and we've got to say El my glory. Glorifying God. How I'm living my life, is it glorifying God? The employee that I'm being, am I glorifying God? Well, you don't understand my boss. He's a nut. Well, you don't understand my employees. They're driving me nuts. Well, that's fine. You can get to your crazy boss later and your crazy employees later, but you've got to start with am I an employee that is glorifying God? It's more important than, than pleasing your manager. It's more important than pleasing your general manager or the owner. What's important is, is did I walk into that place today and did I give for that company and did I do in a way that pleases God? God. God. We've, we've got to get that. At the very top. Do everything that we do to glorify God. Am I intentionally connecting with people for the purpose of God being glorified? Of God being glorified? I hadn't intended on saying this, but it it comes at me right here, and, and I hope I'm okay with doing this. Melanie and Kendra were gone, uh, ministering at, at a conference and, uh, Braden was away and, uh, and then of course Becky and I couldn't stay in the house alone together. So she had to find another place to, to stay. And, uh, and so, um, I had some time to spend with God and I decided, I decided that I was going to do a, an amount of fasting. And I felt the Spirit speak to me and say, you're not going to fast. You're going to get out of this house and you're going to go minister to somebody in this city. Okay. So, I'm I'm not going to go into what I did because then that's, you know, that's look at me, look at me. It's not about that. I wasn't even going to add this in. I'm just saying... That we've got to get this thing out of the faith realm. It's not, it's not just faith. We are praying and praying and praying. And we need to. But, but I've got to ask this question. Is that all you're doing about it is praying? I understand when you've done all that you can. Then you stand. That, I understand there's a God zone. I preach about that a lot. I'm not, I'm not going into that. I'm just saying, have we done all we can? When you've done all you can, just stand. Because we can't move over into the God zone. A lot of people trying to be God and they're, and they're messing their lives totally up trying to handle what only God can handle. That's not the issue. The issue is when you've done all that you can, stand. Have we done all that we can? Have we done every work that we can? So the enemy of our soul seeks to deceive us into living a self-glorifying life. The enemy seeks to drag us into a life of staged works based on what would make good for a social media post. Mankind moves into a danger zone when we accept the glory that is meant only for God. Talking to this church today, I'm giving a clear word. A clear word. Acts 12, 22 and 23, speaking of Herod. And the people gave a shout, saying, It is the voice of a God. And not of a man. And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him. Because he gave not God the glory. And he was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost. The worms got him. And the worms still destroy self-glory seekers today. The worms just seem to be eating a little more slowly these days. But I promise you they're eating. We must make sure that we do not get in the way of glory that is only meant for God. Proverbs 27 and 2 says, Let another man praise thee and not thine own mouth, a stranger and not thine own lips. Matthew 5, 16, Let your light so shine before men that... They may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Glorify God, not me. Glorify God, not my family. Glorify God, not my church. Heritage and church affiliation is good, but God is great. I, I am being very convicted. I want everybody to come to this church. I, I want I want this church to be jam packed. I absolutely do. But I'm being I'm being convicted about how in my life I've been more focused about bringing people to uh, connecting people with church than Jesus. Will Will my life glorify God? I must not do good work so people will think better about me. I must not do good works just so people will think better about my family name. I, I cannot just do good works and hope that people will come to new life. It's it's more than getting doing things where people will think good things about us. It's beyond that. It's it's beyond doing good things for a family reputation, and that's very important because the Bible's very clear that a good name is to be chosen above rubies. I've got that. It's We want people to, to drive by this church and, and think good of this church, and people do. This church is very active. People do. But, but we've got to put our eyesight above all of this, and we must do what we do to give glory to God. Living for his glory is the goal. Living for self is a low, is a low level living. Living for self and self promotion is a trap. And a life surrounded by mirrors instead of windows is nothing less than a life sentence. The enemy need only deceive us into self-focus instead of God-focus. There are people today that I know that you are sitting here, and and what you need to take the next step in your life is, is to only look at the mirror when you're getting ready to go out in public, and then that's it. There are people right now that the best thing you could do is go on a seven day self fast and don't think about every time you think about your situation or your need for the next week refuse to do it and just say I'm on a fast I'm on a me fast that's what I'm on I'm I'm not going to think about I'm going to get my focus on God and others and doing works in a manner that does not bring glory to myself but brings glory to God that is the dimension we must step into. For First Corinthians six nineteen and 20. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. In other words, what's being said here is heed the deed. You you don't own you. I don't own me. I I am not number one. You, You are not number one in your life. I do not have the final say about my life, and you do not have the final say. You say, preacher, you're crazy. Are you living on another planet? Because this is the American way. I'm not after the American way. I'm not after Western society's view of the kingdom. I am after the kingdom way. And the king says, you don't own you, I own you. And, and the deed, I own the deed to you, and you can heed the deed, and I am the one who has that deed, and I will tell you what to do with your eyes, and I will tell you what to do with your ears, and I will tell you what to do with your mouth, and I'll tell you what to do with your feet, I'll tell you what to do with your hands, because everything is about bringing me glory, not you, not your family, not not your church, not your ideas, not what you think. You are owned by me. Glorify me. Jesus makes his expectation very clear in Philippians 2, 3, and 8. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. Let nothing be done through empty glorying that "...is self-conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let, allow, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation." And took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And so we see that that fulfillment comes as we are emptied of ourselves and we are refilled with him. I know I'm preaching something today that's not easy, but I'm I'm preaching something today that is the next dimension. I'm not I'm not preaching something today that oh yeah good I, you know what I'll do that's that's great that was a great thought thank you thank you for filling in and uh, and we'll all pray at the end and and brother Zach will come and and we'll do a little singing and we'll take you know three four and a half five minutes and and we'll do that and and hey good job no no that's not what the spirit is saying. The Spirit is saying, let this mind be in you that, that was in Christ, who humbled himself, made himself of no reputation. i got a question to ask somebody. Is there anybody that's willing for your reputation to be wrecked to bring God glory? Is, is there anybody that is willing to take a torpedo to glorify God? He said that's exactly what it must be. The word clearly tells us, take the back seat. Don't push yourself. Adamantly refuse the look at me life adamantly refuse that. I'm not talking about false humility. Some, some, people have got, uh, some people have got that thing down to where they can just look so pitiful and say the right things and, and move their eyes. And it's, it's no more humility than nothing. It's pride on steroids wearing a fake cloak. That's, that's exactly. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about emptying ourselves out. I'm saying for the sake of people inside this sanctuary that are bound. I'm saying for the sake of people that, that learn how to put the smile on on Sunday or Wednesday, but they're coming in and they're sitting here right now and bound, and they know that, that there's more, and they know that what they hear from this pulpit and what they're living is literally uh, light years away. I'm saying for the sake of them, somebody has got to empty themselves out and somebody's got to say, I'm, I'm going to be gone in my flesh. I'm going to empty my flesh out, and I'm going to be filled with the Spirit. What? So God can get glory. There was an attorney friend of mine in Louisiana, and I was involved in this big mess helping somebody, and uh, one of the big messes I was involved in helping somebody with attorneys, judges, whatever, that was a pretty normal thing for me. And so I was talking to this to this attorney and he told me, he said, he said, Terry, he said, man, social media has changed it all. I said, really? He said, yeah. He he said, really, it's made practicing law easier. I said, well, why is that? He said, all you got to do is subpoena People's social media. He said, then just print it, just lay it out. He said, there it is. If you, if you can get a hold of people's social media, then you, it tells the tale. It's got dates, times, everything. And then you can literally take their actions and, and prove them wrong. I was thinking about that and I thought about how the same is true with self-glory. Social media tells the true tale. If you, if you've got, if, if you have someone that, if you're active or on social media, you could, you could look at my Twitter account. I'm not on, I'm not on Facebook, but I am on Twitter and, and I follow a few people on Instagram, but you, you can tell the tale. You, you can tell. Just look at it. And you will know now i 'm not saying there 's a problem with posting pictures of your family or or whatever i 'm not you know i 'm not saying all of that, but you can just look at somebody 's social media history and you can tell are they bringing glory to themselves or are they bringing glory to God or they 're bringing glory you know they 're loving their family whatever i 'm not against social media i 'm just saying. When, whenever I was studying this, it came to me like like a bolt of lightning. What George Higgins said to me, Terry, law has changed. All we have to do is just get social media. And I was thinking about that. Be careful how we present ourselves to the world. We are a part of this church, but more than that, We are blood-bought children of God. And our actions must bring glory to God. I can't say everything I want to say on there. It wouldn't bring glory to God and I'd get shot. And then I'd be dead and couldn't bring any glory to Him if I said half of what I wanted to say on there. Isaiah 14, 12 through 15 How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will set also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. My pastor, Brother Lumpkin, as I was a young man, he used to read that and he would say this, Lucifer developed eye disease, not eye disease, eye disease. And we see that he spoke five bold I wills ending with this one. I will be like the Most High God. Self-glory causes us to do a few things. It causes us to parade in public what should be kept in private, and the Pharisees were literally pros at that. It it causes us to be too self-referencing and talk when we should be quiet and be quiet when we should speak and care too much about what people think of us. Well, why, why all of this? Why, why this message today? And I'm hurrying to a close, but, but why, why this thought? Because there are people in this sanctuary today. Because there are people living within walking distance of this church. Because there are thousands of people that live within driving distance. And our works will play a major role in whether they will give God a chance in their lives and their eternal decisions but we must live all for his glory all for his glory to truly glorify him demands that we die and paul said i die daily and john 21:17 through 19 gives us an interaction that Jesus had that was something else. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee, Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. What's so great about that is is that he asked him three times. Peter had denied three times. And so now he was able to clean that up. God gives us a chance to clean it up. Somebody today, please understand God is giving you a chance to clean it up. I promise you, if you have fallen five times, God is ready for you to get up and he's going to give you a chance and he's believing it's not going to be six. This church believes in restoration. We, we believe in reconciliation. And so he's saying that to Peter. And then verse 18, Jesus says this, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whether thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whether thou wouldest not. This Spake he signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, follow me. Signifying by what, what? By what death he should glorify God. Jesus gave the example of this and it's spoken of in Revelation 5 and 11. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beast and the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000. And thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And we look at that. And it's very easy to desire power and riches and wisdom and strength. And honor and glory and blessing, but the question screams from these verses. What in our lives are we willing to be slain to receive? Jesus was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And we must understand that suffering precedes glory and it will be the willing death of our preferences, and the willing death of our opinions, and the willing death of our desires, in order for us to step into a dimension of power and honor and glory and blessings He was slain to receive. And so really the choice today is, is are we willing to be slain to receive that. You see, when, when, we, when we go to make a move, we, we want to make a move that moves us forward, obviously. And, and, if, and if we can't move forward, then at least let us move to the side, to where, to where we don't lose ground. But what we have to understand is those are not the only moves that God may do with us. God may sacrifice us. We want to move forward, or at least move to the side until we can move forward. And so we feel like a failure in our life if every move is not forward, 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 forward. And in the kingdom world, it's not about us always moving forward. Yes, there are times we move forward, but there may be times that we have to move sideways and just camp for a while until we see what God is wanting to do with us. There may be other times that we may have to step back for a while until we see what God wants to do with us. And then there are other times that, that God is done with us and our life is over. You just don't hear too many people saying, oh, to be like Stephen, to be like Stephen. On earth I long to be like Stephen. No, that's that's not what we long to do. But God sacrificed Stephen because of Saul that was going to become Paul. I am talking about us moving into a dimension that we are continually being changed into what we were created to be. That... That we are being conformed to His likeness. That we are moving from glory to glory. But the only way that we're going to move from glory to glory is to live our life all for His glory and all that we do be to bring Him glory. It's about His glory. It's about living to bring Him glory to reputation in this world today. It's not about my reputation. It's not about your reputation. I thank God for, for His blessings. I, I thank God for His goodness. I thank God for what all He has done in my life. I thank God that I am connected to you. I I think a lot of you, I hope you at least kind of like me. I'm thinking we're going to be together now, in and out, for uh, several years now. I hope that's okay. But that's not the main thing. If you can't look at me and my works, don't bring glory to God then I have failed, no matter how many times I preach. I will be a failure if my works bring glory to myself, my family, or this church, and don't first bring glory to God. We must work in a way that brings glory to God. If we will position ourselves in a manner that our works are to bring glory to God, we cannot even imagine what will happen in our lives, in our families, and in this church. But the number one thing is not making New Life Fellowship the greatest church in the area. The number one thing is not making our family the greatest family in New Life Fellowship. The, the goal is is not making us the greatest individual in New Life Fellowship. The goal is everything we do, glorifying God and bringing glory to His name and bringing Him into reputation. Where, where we are children that bring glory to God. Where we are Parents that bring glory to God, where we are spouses that bring glory to God, where we are students that bring glory to God, where we are employees that bring glory to God, where we are employers that bring glory to God, where we're owners that bring glory to God. Whatever our position is in life, the ultimate reason we have the position that we have, or the place that we have. You may say, Terry, you have no idea where I'm stuck, and and uh, and I'm, I live in a hell pit. Well, guess what? God is wanting to use you in that hell pit to bring glory to Him. And then who knows what God is going to do with it, but He must first be glorified. He must first be glorified. He will not share his glory with another. He, he will not. He, he will not. He is not a glory sharing God. And many people are in the danger zone of bringing glory to themselves. And it will never, ever work. But I promise you, when we say, God, I live to give you glory all of my works. I I'm, I'm going I I challenge you. I challenge you to start filtering your works this week. Oh, you you won't do less, you'll do more. Oh, it's it's not about it's not about shrinking back. No, in no way. It's just about moving forward in a different manner. And there are people in this sanctuary today that desperately need somebody somebody to glorify God in their works and minister to them. If you're here today and you've never given your heart to God, you've never been been saved. You've you've never repented of your sins. You've never been baptized in the name of Jesus. You've never received the Holy Ghost. That's, That's that Christ in you, the hope of glory. And that's where it starts. But church... If we can turn our attention, we, I'm saying we, because you can believe the last three days of preparing this, God has worked my motor over. So I'm saying we, if we can start filtering everything we do first, is this pleasing you, God? Is this glorifying you? everything will change and there will be a new dimension of living. As we stand together right now, I'm not, I'm not making a big push for everybody to come to the altar. I'm not going to even push you into any emotional decision. But I am saying this. I'm giving an invitation. Is there anybody here that would like to walk to the front and say, I'm gonna change filters. I'm gonna work on my filter. And I am going to work that everything I do is going to be to glorify God. Is there anybody? Come come as close as you can to the front. If you if you need, if you need prayer for salvation or for healing. I don't know what your custom is, so I'm just saying, if you need salvation or healing, would you just come to the front and get my attention and we'll get a a minister to to minister with you right now. But church, I'm talking about another dimension. I'm talking about another dimension. I'm talking about moving out of levels of frustration that, that we're needlessly living in. Take the mirrors down today and replace the mirrors with windows. There are opportunities everywhere. There are opportunities everywhere. I'm not going into stories because because I'm not turning it on me, but I'm telling you that there are opportunities everywhere, everywhere, to do works that people will see Him let our light so shine in a manner that they will see our good works and they won't just say that's a good man but they'll say uh he's connected to something it, this is this is not just a human this is not a human dimension here this is not this is not just her she's nice but no there's but there's something more than just nice that's that's what I'm talking about. That's how the Spirit wants to work in our lives to where He will lead us. And in those times, people will say, There's a God. There's, there's more to this. I'm, there, there's more to this. That's what we're living for. I'd like for everyone, just close your eyes, lift your hands to heaven, and as we as we sing and worship, would you just start talking to God about the changes to bring him